Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. Like, I almost was like, oh, I don't want to rebuke them. I don't want to exhort them. I don't want to admonish them. I'm tired of people being mad at me for saying things they don't like. Um, but to be a good pastor, you have to do both. Like you gotta like give them the word and break it down and tell them how to live and teach them the true things of God. And then there's other times where as a pastor, you gotta be like, guys, we gotta do this and we're not. And so we're in a month called, called pursuit or seeking God. And... I tell people this not because I'm, I've like, once again, I don't have this figured out. I just know I, I really, like, there, it sits, like, somewhere back behind here, like a gnawing of, like, I know he's there, and I want him. So I possess him. I have a little, I'm not, I'm not unsure about my salvation. I possess a deposit of the Spirit. I have the good promises of God, but I always, like, from three years on, three years ago on, I'm always like, but I want more of you. And I don't think that's bad. And maybe it's because I'm wired just a little bit. I'm keyed up a little higher than some of you. That's okay. You don't have to be me. It doesn't have to, exp- you don't have to express it the same way that I'm probably going to just passion preach on you today. But all week long, anybody ever, ever heard the name David Wilkerson? He's an old school, like, uh, is he Assemblies of God? I don't know. Those guys preached, though, man. Um, Times Square Church, he wrote a book called The uh, Cross and the Switchblade. Uh, a lot of gang members got saved through his ministry. Uh, big church there, really in the middle of New York. He's passed away now, uh, but he gave a sermon once, and all week long, his sermon was in my head. So I was like, why well, try to recreate the sermon when I can play it for you? It's one of those not pleasant ones, though, okay? So I'll just play the first, can we play the first four minutes? Yeah, let's. Lord, I'm too old for games foolishness and I'm tired of rest. like that for about 58 more minutes so if you want to find it, it's called anguish by David Wilkerson and his whole theme of that message is why is the church not longing after God why are we not a little bit in anguish over the fact that we don't see the kingdom of God like we feel like we should we see and see in scripture and he's like crying for the church and he's weeping over the church that's what I feel for today like why are we not seeking God and it's not any there's no harshness in me anymore back three years ago there probably would have been a little bit like why aren't you I am there's none of that God whipped me and made me and just humbled me what I believe, though, is if we were to sit together and I would go, is can you know God? Everybody in this room on some level, you're going to intellectually go, yes, I can know God. And, I, and I've heard sermons about seeking God, and I've heard sermons about the pursuit of God, and it's like, all right, you're going to do A, B, and C, and that's going to get you God. That's not how this works. It is a longing, though. It is a, I know that I know that I know that he's findable. And that's my whole sermon today. Did you know that God's findable? You could find him. That when we talk about faith, this isn't two billion light years away. There's a God and you can just place a hope that one day it's right here, right now. I can seek and I can pursue and I can find. And I have found the one that I love. 
and he is better. And men don't talk like this anymore. And women don't talk like this anymore because we've forgotten what we're doing. Do you hear the passion now? Like, I, I feel the zealousness of God over you. He wants you to come find him. Not so he can trade, like, just traipse you around and you'll be like, oh, but I didn't really. No, really find him in experience, in encounter, in the love of God. You will be saturated. This is the gospel message. We get God. So if God's not in the church, you have to go, Christians, why is he not here? Did we not make room? Or did we make it about something else? Because we don't, like he says, rhetoric. I don't need to preach David Wilkerson. I am not him. All I know is I spent a long time being a pastor having faith. I had faith. I loved God. I loved Jesus. He saved me at 17 and I never did a drug. I tried. I mean, like I love Jesus, right? And then three years ago, I began to have this like heart cry. Y'all watched me have a midlife crisis probably. I don't know what it was. It was just that we say this thing like we got God, but then like all we do is we come in, we tell people don't cuss, don't date people who do and go live a moral life. And then we go do what we want. But this God-filled life is like I'm in the middle of, of a Starbucks and I feel the love and affection of God for this person I've never met. And all of a sudden, I'm caught up in the mission of God. That's bigger than Sunday school, y'all. Like, there's something big that we're a part of and we made it small and we made it plain and we made it boring and it's nothing else. Like, if you plug your life into God, you are like, wow, not this is great. And so as we've talked, I mean, I, I like A.W. Tozer. Uh, I, I just want to make a biblical argument for you to seek God like you never have. Just to get rid of every excuse. And I want to talk about some of those excuses because some of them are hard. Some of you, you're mad at God, but you won't put language to it. And you're not going to seek him because he let you down. So why seek somebody you don't even like that much? Or you don't think he likes you? So when we get our theologies wrong or we don't understand the biblical text, then we don't seek. But I want people to walk in here and do what he talked about. You know the New Testament where it's full of people falling down under the power of God and convicting their sins and going, surely God's here? I would love that. I want to do that. But that takes a people, not a person. Not some people, people, a people going, we're going to heart, we're going to hunger and we're going to thirst and we're going to pray and we're going to seek. And sometimes we're not even going to see everything we're asking for or maybe what we think it should look like, but we want God. We want him or nothing. I'm pretty done with the whole, like, let's just do church service to have fun part of my life. I'm like, I'm 40 years old. I'm halfway done, y'all. Checking out at 80, going to be with Jesus. And I don't care. Well, never mind. That's a whole ADD topic. I got it all planned out. It's great. All right. A.W. Tozer said, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love, scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified and happy experienced by the children of the burning heart. That's what I feel. I feel like God's like, come and find me. Come and know me. Come and walk with me. And all that I just said to you is hard. 
So if we sat together and we actually talked honestly, and I was like, I'm just going to say one blank statement. Go seek God. What do you think? What comes to mind? Are you like, oh, I've tried. Or like, I think you, all, you found him, but I don't know if I can. So I asked my 13-year-old, and I'm not usually sharing stories about him because once they're past eight, you can't share stories about them anymore because they get embarrassed. Um, but I said, Abe, I'm supposed to tell the church about seeking God. If I tell you, Abe, go seek God, what do you, what do you think? And Abe, being a profound little 13-year-old dude, um, he said, well, I don't know a lot, but I know that you can do all the stuff. I mean stuff, Abe. Like, you can read the Bible, and you can um, pray and cry and kneel. He's like, but if your heart's not in it, you won't find God. I went, oh, I'll just tell him that, and then get out of the way. He's not wrong. You know that, right? And that's why today it's not so much like, hey, if you could get more discipline, I bet you'd find God. That might be partially true. Like we need to cut away some of the earth and increase our desires for the things of heaven. But yeah, reading the Bible without your heart in it, you're not going to find the Lord. Praying with all your might and using a bunch of words without your heart in it. And, and this is the principle of faith in the Bible. Like the woman with the issue of blood, there's a whole throng of people around Jesus, right? He's walking down the street. Everyone's like, Jesus. Everybody's touching Jesus, right? Like if, we, if I walk down the middle of this and you all try to touch me and it would just be like, that's kind of weird, right? But one woman with an issue knew in faith, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. And with one little tassel touch, Jesus stops and goes, what? Who touched me? His disciples, this is what the Bible says, are like, what do you mean? Everybody touched you. And he's like, no, 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 no. I felt power go out of me. Someone touched me with faith. And we don't like that topic, but that's the heart of a seeker. God, I want to touch you. And I can't make it happen because you're invisible and God and I'm human. So the heart of seeking is not, here's the recipe. You get up at five and you read the Bible for three hours and then you don't eat for 72 days and then you face the West and get on a rug. And then after someone dumps anointing oil on you, you will find God. That's not in the Bible. The only thing in the Bible is seek God. And it seems to be attached, like Abe said, to the heart. And so I have to ask the question, Cobblestone, is your heart prone? Is it pointed to? Is it, I want to know God? And if not, why? We're the people of God. Of any other people on the earth, on the planet right now, we should be the people that go, we want God. But in normal American Christianity, you'll find a lot of people that don't seem to really want him. They want morality. They want their kids taught something. They want their marriage fixed. They want, and those things happen because God is good and powerful. But when a people turn from all that and they go, yeah, thank you, God, that you saved me and you healed my marriage. Thank you, God, that you gave me wisdom of how to raise kids. And thank you, God, for, there's a lot of wisdom in the book, in the Bible. But when a people go, like King David, but one thing we really want, this is what we desire. We, we want to dwell with you. 
this is what we want. And that actually seems to be the whole testament of the whole Bible. In the beginning, God walks with Adam and even in the end of all things, he's literally in the middle of the new Jerusalem and all the people are gathered around him. So what else are we after here? Just him. And so I'm going to do a lot of Bible verses here. But I'm going to ask a question a couple times today. And it's just really simple. What made you stop seeking God? What made you stop? Some of you are like, I never have. Please don't. What made you stop though? So early on, I would have told you I'm seeking God, but I wasn't. You know why? Because I had them figured out. And I had all the answers, and I could tell you about sovereignty, predestination, and election, and I could do it in Greek and make you feel stupid why I did it. And then God broke in, and I went, I don't have you at all. And then I found him, and I can't do church anymore. Like, I'm like, I want you to find God. Only because I believe he wants to be found by you. I believe the whole cross is a God's rescue mission to get you. And all through the Bible, so we're going to start in Deuteronomy and go to First Chronicles, James, Luke, Philippians, a lot of verses. And the only reason we're doing that is, is this is a little topical. So if you were to just type in the word seek and go every time the word seeks you in the Bible, go find it. And then go right down every time the word seek and then find out who's there and what the context is. That's how you study the Bible. These are just a few that I pulled out, okay? The word seek me is like thousands of times. It's almost like God's cry over humanity is, do you want me? Come find me. And we're like, a lot of times in the American church, we're like, well, I'll just sit here until you do something. But every time you see something happen, like the woman with faith, she went after him, found him, and he responded. So in, in the book of Deuteronomy, you have Moses, who now is very aware he's not going into the promised land. And he says to the people of God in Deuteronomy 4, verse 29, but from there, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, you will seek the Lord your God. And what? And you will, you're gonna find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Might say strength in your Bible, that's okay. It's the same idea is you're not going to find them if you don't go wholehearted. You're going to seek the Lord your God in the land that he's giving you. And when you seek him with all your might and all your soul, and that's what you want, you'll find God. And they struggle with this their whole time. They get distracted by the Canaanite women. They get distracted by Asherite pools. They get distracted by all the Baals. They get distracted by literally the attractive women of the nations. They get distracted. Do we get distracted? But the word of God stands and goes, if you seek me, if you seek me, you'll find me. And I do think that principle stands because yes, he's talking through Moses to that people, but he continually says, if you'll seek me with all your heart, if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be opened. That's Jesus' words. First Chronicles 28, you fast forward through the timeline of God's people. You have King Solomon who had all the ladies called the wisest man on the planet and all the gold and all the vineyards and all the castles and all the things. And, all, and I know I started with the ladies. I shouldn't have probably done that, but 
I did. I see somebody laughing. I'm just like, dang, I should have up. But he says, as for you, my son Solomon. So who's talking? David is. Know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. What's that next line? If you seek him. If is a, you got an option. Everybody in here, you have an option. I have 24 hours in a day. You have 24 hours in a day. All of us have about 92.4 years on the earth. Maybe more, maybe less. If, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. That's intense, right? So Solomon's like, oh boy, what should I do? Seek the Lord, Solomon. Seek God, church. If you seek him, and if happens about 400 times in your day, I could do this or I could seek the Lord. I could get on my phone again, or I could seek the Lord. I could get up early, or I could indulge my flesh. I could, you see the if? I feel the if. I'm, I'm in a, the busiest time of my life, and the if is like staring me in the face. But Lord, I would love a nap. If I sit down longer than 30 seconds, I fall asleep. You hear my voice right now? It's because I yell all week. And the reason I'm, I love what I'm doing right now is because the Lord called me in to do it and he's sustaining it. So it's not even, if you seek me, you'll find me. If. Then you get into the New Testament and you see James chapter four, verse eight, which Martin Luther said he wished wasn't in the Bible, but I love the book of James. So if we become a people that go, I know I'm supposed to seek God because that's what the word says and we don't do it, that's why the book of James is in the Bible because it says if you hear the word but don't do it, you're a hypocrite and a fool. We have to be hearers and doers. We can't just hear, pray without ceasing and then not try to work on our prayer life. We can't hear the word of God say, if you seek me and then go, well, I guess I won't. Well, then you're, you're not doing what the word of God's calling you, commanding you to do. And James very clearly says, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. So let's be pra pragmatics here for a second. How do you do that? And I don't even know if I have the complete answer. I, that's why I think it's a heart thing. Where's God right now? Where is he? How do you find him? How do you draw near to an invisible, holy, omni-God? How do you get there? How do you draw near? I, I know how to do it with you know, any of you in this room. I just walk at you like a creeper and go, get in here, right? And I draw near to you. And then you pull back from me because you're like, I don't want to hug Andrew. He's really, really passionate today. I am. But how do you draw near to God, right? This is, this is what he's, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. And he's talking about in this context of coming to God and asking one way, God, I wanna know you. But then right immediately, the wave of faith and doubt hit and you're like, but I'll never get him. He's like, don't be a double-minded man. Ask in faith, walk in faith, live in faith. 
be a person that goes, I'm going to draw near to you. And because God, you are holy, invisible, good, I'm going to set my heart right here. I'm going to obey you. So you said, seek you. God, I don't even know how to do that. But here I am. I want you. I want you. I think that's seeking. God, when I open my Bible every morning, I don't want to fill my mind. I want to fill my mind and my heart and my soul. I want to find you. That's seeking. When I take a walk, most either in the afternoon or the evening, I go, God, I'm going on a walk because I want to find you. And some days I'm just like, that's a nice looking cloud, or man, I got distracted, or I fell asleep on the sidewalk, whatever it is, you know. But some days I walk with God and I find him. I become aware that he's there. Is God here right now? How do you know? Y'all shook your head vigorously. You're like, yeah, God, is he here? Some of you got nervous saying yes. You're like, how do you know? Is it goosebumps? Don't say yes. It's not like an extra thing. I, I think what we're shooting for is when we talk about the presence of the Lord in the assembly, in the gathering, we're talking about God supernaturally, sovereignly, in his will, making us aware that he is here. And that's discernment. And that's hard. And yes, people over the years have gone, God is here. And you're like, I don't know if he is. You're just being weird. You ever been in those churches? Don't raise your hand. Okay. You're like, I am in one of those. You're not. I'm just convinced God is actually knowable. Not later, but now. Right here. You can know God. And that is the best news ever except the church for, I would say, like a good 50 years has decided that's not really what we're doing. That's all we're doing. God or bust. We can just put a road sign out there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's a heart posture. Draw near to God. And sometimes uh, I could, I have a season of my life that I remember where it was just six months of longing. No seeing. I didn't see anything I'm telling you about. I didn't feel anything. No grand encounter or anything. I was just, it's just a, I want to be with you. I'm drawing, I'm drawing, I'm drawing, I'm drawing. And all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, you're here. That is, that is faith. That is the life we live. I long to be with him. I don't always feel him. Therefore, I'm not basing it on my emotions. I'm basing it on the word of God. But the word of God says that he dwells in the midst of his people that you have a deposit of the very Spirit of God, which is God, last time I checked. You go on to Luke 11. We are, I already quoted it, but it's Jesus' words. Luke 11, 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Now, if you take that just straight as it is, anybody ever ask God for something and not get it? You should all just... <laughs> Somebody in the back is like... <laughs> You're like, yeah, I understand, right? Why would Jesus say that? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and what? And you will find. So what are, what are you doing? Are you seeking God? Because Jesus Christ, incarnate God, I mean, God put on flesh, says out loud to a group of humans. These aren't superhumans. These aren't even disciples. This is a massive throng of people. Seek me and you'll find me. Well, that's a good promise then. 
That means I could have boring quiet time after boring quiet time. And I'm seeking though. Like my heart's in it. I want to find God. And what did Jesus say will happen? I will find him. Seek me and you'll find me. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be So I'll ask the question, I ask, what, what made you stop seeking? What made you stop? So like I said, those first few years of my ministry, I, I feel like I had God. I hadn't figured out, so I didn't need to seek him because I had boxed him up. But then he boxed it out of my box, and I was like, I long for you. But then COVID hit, right? And COVID threw me for a loop, and I've tried not to hide that. It was just hard because you're like, when you do, I mean, was anybody else COVID was just super easy. You loved it. You're like, let's go back to masks. Yeah. Um, no? Cool. Me either. Side tangent. If that happens again, I'll be here every Sunday preaching and praying. So you, okay, cool. Sorry to make an executive decision. Okay. I'm not doing that again. You know, somewhere in there that all that closeness, I found the Lord. I felt like he went away. You ever felt that? Like God was displeased with you? That somehow you did something that made him draw back? That's a scary feeling. That's a very scary feeling. Especially when your whole life is getting in front of people or it feels like your whole life is getting in front of people and telling them about how close you are with God. And God used COVID to crush me. And you're like, does God do that? A good father always disciplines his kids. And he showed me that there was a lot of pride in how I talked about seeking God and how I believed that he needed me a whole heck of a lot more than he does. So God doesn't need me. You know that, right? So that leads me to a lot of freedom here because you don't need me either. You need him. And so as I got into that season, I felt like I, can't, I stopped seeking God like I was. I felt a flame dim because I was convinced that God was disappointed in me. And then Satan came in and he started reminding me of all the times I've been a horrible pastor. Like Jeremiah made it quite clear that I'm not the most loving person on the planet. I love you deeply. I'll fight a living bear for you. I'm just not gonna tell you that. Does that make sense? He'll tell you and weep while he's doing it right? That's the difference. So that's a pastor at work. And this is probably more prophetic, like that kind of vibe coming out of me. Like, I want to tell you the things of God, but I don't know if I have the emotional capacity to hug you for a while. But I love you. Ooh. I've given 18 years of my life to this church because God told me to stay here. And the message of my life is, we did some good things, church. Like, we built some stage sets. Those were stupid. We tried to make it flashy. We grew, like, one Easter, we had a thousand people, and we were like, that's not God. And the reason I'm excited that you're here is because I'm just going to take your, your attendance as just a sign that you're like, I want God. I don't want the, I don't care about flash. I don't care about services. Um, we still care about the clock a little bit, so I'm going to try to end on time. I don't care about the clock anymore. If you're encountering God and feeling his love, I'll sit with you all day. I'm praying for like grand things right now. Like 
where we got to have services every night because the glory of God's just like hovering in the room. Like, you're going to be, how weird is he? Real weird. Because I think God's real. So some of us, we stop seeking God because we think he's mad at us. Maybe that's you. You're like, he doesn't want me with him. The cross begs to differ. The cross of Jesus Christ stands as a message for all time that what does God want to do? He wants to save humanity and draw them back into relationship that he made them for in the beginning of all things. That's what the cross does. And that's what you preach to your heart even when you don't feel it. I love when I feel it. Anybody else? Like I was told my whole life, my emotions are horrible. And they are sometimes, they get real wobbly. So I'm not basing my faith off my emotions. I'm basing them off the word of God. But I want my heart inflamed and I want my emotions on the Lord. I think redeemed emotions are beautiful. It's why I love to watch grown men weep and worship. You're like, what? Yeah, let's watch men <laughs> not. There's a couple men in here that when God shows up, they weep. That's not weakness. That's beautiful. I've wept like four times already. Like I feel the love of God pouring in my heart than for you. He wants you. My wife Anna was here praying before service for the band and she came up to me. She got, God wrecked me because the Bible says that he's a jealous God. That's his name, jealous. Which means if someone comes after Anna, what am I going to do? Like if any of y'all try to date Anna, it's not going to happen. Why? Because I'm jealous for my wife. And God is jealous for his people. He doesn't want anything else to claim your heart. He doesn't want anything else taking your obsession or your attention or your affection. He wants it on him. Because not because he's like, oh, I, I, I'm a needy God. It's because it's the most free place for you. When God has your everything, you are more free than anywhere else in life. Now I'm preaching. What time is it? What time do we end this service? Thank you, wife of my youth. <laughs> is it nine, nine o'clock we started? I got a whole half hour, guys. <laughs> Let's go. I won't go a half hour. We're going to seek God here. All right. I'm going to let a couple more verses get on you. And then we're going to respond to the word of God, which is living and active. And we're going to seek. And we're going to pray. And we're going to find. Or we're going to keep knocking until we do. The great apostle Paul, Philippians 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 7. It's that this whole idea of like, I'll cast off everything if I can get him. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Anybody have some gain in their life, in the room? You don't just think mon monetarily. Some of you are highly gifted. Some of you are probably better, not probably, are better leaders than me, definitely better admins than me. Some of you are like are skilled in business. Some of you are just amazing craftsmen. I mean, you got, you got some gain. Some of you have great houses and labradoodles. Some of you are physically strong. But Paul goes, whatever gain that I had in life, now what? Well, now I count it as a loss. Because all that gain in life, sometimes it ties you to the world. And that's not all wrong. We're going to talk about that really quick. 
But sometimes all that gain, it keeps you from running after God. Because you're like, but I got I to gotta take care of the house. Like, my labradoodle needs my love. And so he says, whatever it was, my gain, I counted it as a loss. I count everything as a loss. Because of what? The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now, if the Apostle Paul is saying language like that, I want to find Jesus, I want to be in him, I want to attain the resurrection, he's got some degree of it already, right? I mean, the dude's walking around. I mean, he's the apostle of apostles. He's the guy that's like smacking disease off people. He's the guy that's like doing amazing things for God. But he goes, all that other stuff, it's, it's not winning. It's a loss. What's actually surpassing greatness, surpassing worth, what's better than anything is what? Knowing Jesus. That's a hard message to sustain in the heart of a Christian today because the world is very good at luring us away. Very good and very flashy. I mean, all the phones, all the apps on your phone are designed to addict you. With dopamine hits and circles and loops and feedback loops, I can tell you a little bit. Anyway, it's designed to take your heart and go, this is what you need. You do not. You need Jesus. And I have to fight that in my own heart. And I have to be willing to say, okay, I need to view this as a loss. I'm going to cut it out of my life, which is why we're fasting this month. We're not just fasting a little bit. Like maybe this week you need to get rid of your phone all week and you'll start twitching. You'll start phantom grabbing for it. Where's my, Because you'll put it away. But you'll find that your heart cutting loose all that rubbish gives a lot of room to find their surpassing worth of God. I have two more, three, maybe a few more. There's a couple warnings. Um, Jesus told a parable once about his gospel of the kingdom of God being thrown out like seed. And it fell on different types of soil. Y'all remember that parable? And everybody thinks they're the good soil. Everybody's like, I'm convinced that it took, you know? Uh, but one of those seeds, he says, the seed gets thrown out and then some of it falls on the road and it gets stolen, it gets trampled on. And that's when Satan comes in and steals that message of the goodness of God from a person. Uh, and some of it, it, gets, it falls upon uh, rocky soil. And that's when the persecutions and the trials hit, you're like, it's too much, it's crushing me. And, and the message, it, it comes out of your heart. But it's the last one that I think when I think about seeking God, we need to hear the warning. He says the, the third person, it's seed that fell on good soil, but then the thorns and the cares of life grew up around it and it choked it out. And I think that's what I see for American churches most. The cares and the worries of life come and grow up alongside the goodness of God and it chokes out the desire and the seeking. Is that you? in this room and I think the solution is, is probably twofold number one God I see it and I don't want it so you don't have to fix it God fixes hearts 
You get, to, you get to acknowledge it before him and go, God, I feel money and the love of it choking out my love for you. What do I do? Fix my heart. God, I feel the word. And it, it literally uses the word chokes out by the cares of this world. So I'll, I'll ask the question, what made you stop seeking God? Was it the cares of the world? And I've been in seasons where I'm like, why do you care so much about that show? Why is Facebook so addicting? Why, why do you care about being the strongest CrossFitter? Why, like, I, I feel the, the all or nothing part of my life wants to be good at stuff or like stuff. And I, and I always feel like God lovingly comes in and goes, don't let it choke out. Don't let it choke it out. Even good stuff, guys. Like, God gave me my business. If you're my friend and we were talking like friends, we'll walk like friends, I'm terrified that that will take my love for God. I'm like, and I don't think I need to be terrified, but I don't want to love anything more than him. I love my kids, and that's a scary one, but I, I have to biblically love God more than them. I have to love God more than my wife. She's not a good replacement for Jesus. She's great, but she ain't him. And I'm not him either. Second thing, I really feel like this is a lot of us are being really lazy in our abiding. So when we talk about abide in Christ, apart from me, you can do nothing. I know that plants can't make anything happen. So we mostly just think like, well, okay, God, make it happen. I'm abiding. But I think there's an active abiding. I think there's a, a, a if, I, if he's the branch, no, he's the vine and I'm the branch, then I actively want to be drawing from the life of Jesus. I actively want to be taking into my life the word of God. I actively want to be kind of silencing my flesh and my voice and hearing the voice of God and the spirit of God. I want to be an active abider. And so most of us are like, Oh, you know, I know it says abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but I'll sure try. If God says you can't do anything unless you're connected to him and we don't see a whole lot happening, maybe we need to come back into connection. Maybe we need to go back into abiding. Uh, the last thing I want to say is just, I think it's helpful for me and as a man who's got a business and a family, all that stuff, right? I, I got stuff. Anybody else got stuff you got to do? You're like, we live in a real world here, Andrew. I can't just sit up in a glory mountain like this. I know. But the man I want to be like in scripture is a man named King David. And I, I kept preaching this all week to people like, you ever thought about King David? You know King David, right? The man after God's own heart who was also the king of Israel. Now, just think, what do kings have to do? All the things, somebody said, everything. They gotta do TPS reports. They gotta go to the royal treasury. They gotta take care of the, you know, like they're overseeing and they're managing and they're decreeing and they're making edicts and they're making judgments and they're doing all the king stuff, right? Why is David a man after God's own heart? He was just a guy like you or me or a woman like you, and I'm not, you know, like you. 
He had to do all the stuff, guys. The real world stuff. Well, why is he a man after God's own heart? Because at his heart level, which is where it starts, a hungering and a seeking after God, David said, one thing I ask, this is what I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold him and gaze upon his beauty. That's what makes a man or a woman after the heart of God. I have to do the other stuff, but it doesn't own my heart. Only God does. That's what sets you apart from the people of the earth. I have to do that stuff. And some of it's a good gift of God. My kids are a good gift from God. Anna is a good gift from God. My house, God gave it to us. My business, God told me to do it. It's all God. But he's not those things. He's better than those things. And the American church has to come back to this where we're like, oh, God's all I want. That way, when he's like, hey, I want you to sell your house and take your kids across the country to tell the nations about me, you're like, no problem, because you'll be there. But if not, you'll go, but the kids won't be safe, God. And I like my house. Well, I'm glad you like your house, but do you like God more? And so I got three challenges, just really quickly, as far as application for this week for you. Number one, I, I challenge you to worship and seek in your house, in your home. And, and regardless if you're married or single or a college student, you can do this and it will make you weird. What I mean is if you're in college and somebody walks into your dorm room and you are face down on the ground worshiping God, they will know that you're seriously doing something that they are not aware of. Most of the time though, we're like, hide it, conceal it. We're like Elsa about our faith. Conceal, don't feel. It's a frozen reference if you haven't watched a lot of Disney movies. Okay. But I, did, I, I think this is what God's calling us to be a people that when we're at home, not just church, God, I want to worship you and I want to seek you. Put on worship music. I don't care what it is and seek the Lord. Put on no worship music. Seek God at your house. Invite your teenagers in and be like, you're going to sit there. I don't care what you do, but shut your mouth. We're going to seek God. If you have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about? All right, go home and tell your teenagers you're going to seek God and see if they don't roll their eyes so hard, the earth starts to like. Go seek God and let them see you do it because they need moms and dads. They need men and women that go, we're going to seek God. And I don't care what you think or how weird you feel. It's what's going to satisfy your soul, Abe. See, now I'm preaching to me. And I'm preaching to my kids. And then secondly, I would gather with others, worship and seek the Lord with others. Call some Christian friends and be like, hey, I know we're busy. Everybody's busy these days. I don't know why we're so busy. But Tuesday night, you guys want to come over? We'll take communion and we'll seek God. Maybe some, nothing will happen. Maybe everything will happen. Maybe I'll actually like encounter the love. Maybe, you know, like maybe I'll have my, my friend pray over me that maybe my heart won't be so hard towards the things of God. I don't know what it'll look like, but worship and seek God with others, not just this month, but the rest of your life. Yes, you can do it by yourself, but why are the Christians always getting together in the New Testament? Because there's something God loves to do in the body that he doesn't do anywhere, anywhere else. You need other people. 
doesn't have to be a lot of people. I don't like a lot of people. We've already made that clear. Thank you, Jeremiah. It's going to be a couple people that you can be real with and be like, maybe honest with for the first time why you don't seek God. I don't seek God because I'm afraid I won't find him or I'm not good enough or I don't know how. I don't know how to pray. You know how you learn how to pray? Get around people that know. And just be like, on it, I don't know how. And listen to them. Get around them old Pentecostal ladies like my grandmother and they will pray. Them women get down. They'll call the fire of God down on you and you're like, I don't know if I want all that, Grandma. Get over here. You know what I mean? Like, they're doing it. They're after God because they know. Thank you for the praying women. I love them. All right. And then finally, uh, this is over and over again during that season of refinement during COVID. Um, I felt like the Lord was like, Andrew, getting close to me is really, really easy. And I was like, ooh, good, a recipe. And it's not what I said, but. And he said, it's really simple, die. Die to you and pick up my life. That message doesn't get preached. But holiness and purity are crucial to seeing God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And if there's not purity and holiness in the house of God, when we ask him to come, it will be bad when he shows up. Because the holy God of heaven and earth moves into a room and you have humans that are not that, they will burst into flame basically as if they got too close to the sun. You want to get close to God? I think you need to put to death earthly things in your life. Kill them. Colossians 3 says, put to death therefore whatever's earthly in you. Everyone thinks that's like a, oh, just stop it, sin. That's a very violent form of grab it by the hair, drag it in the backyard, beat it with a bat until it's dead. No one talks like that about their sin anymore. We play with it. I mean, like Jonathan Edwards or Owen, I forget which one said, be killing your sin or it'll be killing you. This is true. I want to crucify the parts of me that get me unaware of the presence of God. I want to kill the things of earth so that the things of heaven are precious to me. And don't do that apart from God, church. Don't become the sin police. We do that by the Spirit of God with spiritual weapons to cut off things that the Lord highlights. Andrew, you're spending too much time on social media. Delete it. Yes, Lord. Ask him. Do it with him, not apart from him. And then the last thing, and we're going to worship. So if the band would come up, we're just going to respond and worship to God. When we talk about seeking God, there's a trap that we can fall into. Um, a lot of charismatics fall into this. I fell into this a little bit. If I seek more, or if I travail more, if I groan more, if I lay on my face prostrate more, God will be more pleased with me. That's not the gospel. You don't earn in Christianity you receive. Jesus did everything that is needed to bring you to God. Everything. Which means I'm not earning anything when I'm praying. I'm joining something when I am. 
I'm not earning anything when I'm groaning over the church. I'm joining the heart cry of the Spirit of God over the church of Jesus. I'm not earning anything. So you need to hear me say this because you're going to go try to earn this week if you go to try to seek him that way. You can't earn it. You receive it. And the reality is God is actually seeking after you. Did you hear me? He wants you. And I can point at all of you, God is after every person in this room, which is the greatest news that the God of heaven and earth would even notice us. But he goes, not only did I notice you, but I sent my, my son to die for you. So there's like this weird, like, yeah, God, we're going to seek you. But then we find all of a sudden, I've been waiting for you to seek me because I've been looking for you a long time. And so he wants you. And I just think if we could become a church that's God, I want to receive the work of the cross. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I want to receive the fire of God. I want to receive from you and stop trying to earn it. I think that's a good starting spot. Can we do that? So if you would, can you go to a posture of just prayer? Or if you got to close your eyes, you got to kneel, if you got to stand and lift your hands, just that posture of prayer and worship. And I'm just going to ask the Lord to come. And when I say come, I mean, yeah, we all said he's here, but that we would become aware. Holy Spirit, would you come and open our eyes to the presence of the Lord. And we respond to your word and we seek you now, God. Not in word or deed, but in our hearts. We open our hearts and we receive you. We receive the work of the cross as a finished work. you just receive God and say God I receive what you did for me on the cross so we're going to respond to the word and we're going to worship and there's going to be prayer teams this whole place up here is open if you feel led to come kneel or worship we're just going to give God the room you are allowed to leave whenever you want Right? Seek God. Seek God this week like you never have. He's knowable and findable. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless you.